Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jason Douglas from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Uh, welcome to another great edition of Talking Twins. As always, we appreciate you joining us here for episode number 94. As always, it's uh, myself, Bradley Swanson, along with my co-host, Daryl Yates. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us, talking some more great Twins baseball this week. Well, obviously, in Twins chat, we'll get into covering you know, the latest in spring training. We'll talk about the, the roster moves that have happened over the past week and you know, get into covering a lot more, including rotation spots and some other pieces that are happening down there in, in Fort Myers. Uh, we'll also, during our Down on the Farm segment this week, we'll talk with a, a very special guest. That's the the voice, the voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts, none other than Larry Ward, who will sit down and join us here in just a little bit. We'll talk with Larry about uh, you know the Lookouts in 2016, a whole lot other than that. Um, but just remember, also, uh, you can always check us out on the website. It's www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. Uh, Facebook and Twitter for our social media friends. You can always get in touch with us out there. Facebook, it's easy. It's TalkingTwinsBaseball.com slash Facebook. Our Twitter handle, which you can always find us out on Twitter, it's at TalkingTwins. Um, you can also give us an email if you want to give us feedback about the show, uh, things you'd like to hear in the future, or just you know comments about Talking Twins itself. You can email us at radio at TalkingTwinsBaseball.com. Now, to get the podcast, you can always come out to the website at TalkingTwinsBaseball.com and listen there via your laptop or your desktop. Um, if you've got your Apple devices, of course, it might be the iPhone or the iPad. iTunes is your way to go there to get the podcast each and every week. It's simple, TalkingTwinsBaseball.com slash iTunes. And when you get out there, you can even subscribe. It'll give you the podcast every week on your Apple device just automatically. So then, boom, you've got Talking Twins ready to go each and every week when the new episode comes out. Android as well, we've got you covered. So if you've got one of those great Galaxy you know, S5, S6s, maybe you've got the, one of the you know, the Galaxy tabs as well. Hey, that's we've got you covered there. It's TalkingTwinsBaseball.com slash Android. So just remember, slash iTunes for Apple, slash Android for those, those you know, Android devices, those Google or Galaxy devices, you're covered there. Um, also want to promo our, our friends out of Twinkietown. We've had a good partnership for a couple years now with Jesse Lund and the crew at Twinkietown. They are part of the SB Nation. They run a great website. It's a lot of fun out there. There's a lot of commentary uh, you know, they'll do a lot of game day coverage once the season kicks off, but just a lot of fun. Recommend you definitely check them out at www.twinkytown.com. 
TalkingTwins.com. And they also have the Talking Twins podcast up on their site every week. So it's another spot you can always check out to listen to the show. Also, our friends at, at DCRC Radio, uh, Ryan J. Quinn and the crew out there, they run a great alternative and indie music website. But one day a week, they also give a couple hours to let you listen to, to Talking Twins as well there. We'd appreciate it if you want to check out a great music website that is also a part of the Talking Twins family. Definitely check them out at dcrcradio.com. And also a little surprise that I hadn't mentioned on Twitter or Facebook yet this week, but since we have Larry Ward coming on here in just a moment for Down on the Farm, we figured this would be another week to give away a prize. And so this week, you're going to see it on Twitter. It's going to kick off this weekend. We're going to be giving away, since we're talking to Larry Ward, and he is the voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts, we figured what none other than to give away a great baseball. And this week we'll be giving away an Adam Brett Walker signed baseball. That's right. In the glass cube, as we've always done before in the nice pro set cubes, an Adam Brett Walker signed baseball. And again, signed from Twins Fest 2016, verified by Mr. Yates and myself. We were there. We saw it. So watch Twitter this weekend and watch Facebook this weekend and Instagram. You guys are going to get to see how you can have a shot at winning and Adam Brett Walker signed baseball. So with that, guys, stick around here for just a moment. Down on the Farm is going to kick off here in just a second, and we'll sit down and talk with Larry Ward, voice of the Chattanooga Lookouts. Yep. Hey, guys, we're here on Talking Twins, and, of course, it's time, as always, to start the show off with our Down on the Farm segment. And this week we've got a very special guest joining us. You guys, if you've been following the Twins now long enough, Chattanooga Lookouts for the last couple of years have now joined the, the Twins fold, and we're talking to the voice. And you should know who that is. That's none other than the <laughs> the announcer for the Chattanooga Lookouts, Mr. Larry Ward. And, Larry, thanks for joining uh, myself and Daryl this evening. We really appreciate taking some time to, to sit down with us in your very busy schedule right now. Hey, no problem. No problem. Glad to do it. And, and uh, I don't know, you said, oh, uh, what did you say there that I was going to, oh, yeah, my, my hardworking schedule, yeah. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> now, before we get into the questions, though, there there is something we've got to get off the off the plate right now, and it's something our Twins fans should be, you know, very proud of, as well as the folks down in Chattanooga and all the Lookouts fans as well. And that's the fact that we need to congratulate you, because if Twins fans don't know it yet, Larry Ward has been inducted and will be this this season here in 2016 into the Southern League Hall of Fame. Now. That's a that's a heck of an honor. I know I saw your um, the interview on Chattanooga.com. I know that you were extremely you know proud of that honor. Um, I I just look at Twins fans to let them know. Look at the fact that the Lookouts have only had four other people that have been inducted into the Southern League Hall of Fame, and those four names um, Twins fans will probably know a couple of them. Um, <laughs> former former Lookouts owner Frank Burke, a guy that Twins mm-hmm. fans. You know, may have uh, known, seen once or twice this this young gentleman who's no longer with us, unfortunately, named Harmon Killebrew, uh, mm-hmm. pitcher Trevor Hoffman, who threw you know many many great you know saves in the major leagues, and then manager Razor Shines, and now there's this fifth guy that's going to be inducted this year, the gentleman we're talking to right now, Larry Ward. And Larry, I guess the first uh, thing yeah. <laughs> first thing Go I'm going to ask you is how did it feel to get that call was in things in February when you got told, hey. You know, 2016, you're now joining the Southern League Hall of Fame. Well, I'll be honest with you guys. It was 10 minutes before I was going on the air to broadcast a basketball game at Western Carolina. Uh, when I got the call from uh, Lori Webb, president, and I went, oh, great. Now I've got a lump in my throat, tears in my eyes, <laughs> and I've got to go on the air in about five minutes to broadcast the game. But, uh, no, it was very humbling. And it was very, um, uh, when you 
think about the four names that you just mentioned that were associated with the lookouts. Wow. Um, pretty nifty. Pretty nifty. I, I worked with Frank Burke for over 18 years. I called games. I watched Trevor Hoffman shut the door on uh, when he was with the Reds organization, knowing full well that it was going to be huge in the big leagues. Uh, Razor Shines I had as a manager for one year uh, with the Dodgers organization. And, of course, Harmon Kilbrew, a lot of interviews um, and a pretty good friendship with Harmon Kilbrew. So, you know, it, uh, it's a humbling experience all the way around. Well, and over your young career, as I'll still call you a young man, but 34 years in baseball and 29 years in the Southern League. A couple of quotes that I saw in that article that I want to mention to bring back to you to, to get your thoughts on. I loved the first part that you mentioned. Your first two phone calls were to your wife and your daughter. That, Absolutely. That, you know, family, you know, means everything. And obviously your family had to back you yeah. for a long time to be doing this for, you know, like I said, 29 years in the Southern League. You had to have a lot of family support there. First of all, how, how much did that mean to you to get that, make that first call to your wife? that, hey, I'm getting inducted into the Southern League Hall of Fame? Well, uh, first of all, uh, I guess it sunk in a little bit because I had to do a basketball game first before I could call her. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it had to be made because of the dedication uh, from the two of them. I drugged them back into baseball in 1989, uh, willingly but suspectingly. Let's put it that way. Good call. And, and, and of course, and, and Megan, who was, uh, I think, 18, 19 months at the time, she didn't know the difference. But uh, the, the, the two or three of them, for a couple, three years, uh, the two of them decided that, you know, this wasn't great. And then all of a sudden you couldn't get them off uh, or out of Chattanooga because of the, the, the friends that we've made and uh, – the associations, and there were some rough times. There's no doubt about it. There's rough times in that those 27 years, and and there may be another rough time this year. Who knows? But the, the whole point being was those were the first two calls that I had to make, and thank those two people. Now the other quote that I that I saw too is that this is this one will let Twins fans really know how much time Larry Ward has put into the Southern League and with the lookouts. As you mentioned, over 4,000 games. 300,000 bus miles and a bevy of hot dogs behind me. I thought that was, I thought that was, that was beautiful right That's there. That's a baseball quote if I ever heard one. Exactly. Hey, and let me tell you something. And let me tell you something. I'm still wearing some of those hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> behind me uh, on the bus miles. No, it, it's, uh, I, I didn't know what else to say other than, I mean, it just popped in my, my brain. Uh, Frank Burke always used to say, I don't know how you do it. How do you keep riding those buses? I said, because you keep paying me. That's how I keep doing it. And I'm the one, and I'm the one that hires the buses. And I'm the one that takes care of the schedule and the whole nine yards. So, uh, you know, I said, Frank, that's not that hard uh, to do that. But uh, it, it's, it, it's been a, um, boy, it's been a, to say it was, it's been a labor of love is really a small, a small minuscule part of it. It's been a labor of want to be a part of a game that it's the greatest game. Yeah. How do you get this game any better? You don't. How do you how do you make it 
And, and I'm sad once in a while from the, the silliness that goes on within the game. But how do you, you don't make, you can't purify this game any more than what it is. It's and 90 feet. It, 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 it's 310 down the line or 325. It's at 92 miles an hour. It, it's three outs and you're, but you've got to go back out there again. It, it doesn't, you can improve. You can, you can do a lot of things to the other sports. You cannot make baseball any better than what it is, except for the athlete himself. And I would say, I guess, I guess, Larry, to to comment on the, you know, the, the, sometimes the silly pieces that come up in the game is for every one of those moments that comes up, there are two or three, you know, moments that are, that are so great that you get to see. And you've seen, obviously getting to call games a lot more even than I've gotten to see it's, you know, there are so many of those great moments that you can then also call back and remember from your mind that, you know, like you said, it just, it makes the game, you know, the greatest game out there. And I want twins fans to understand this, that this season, Larry's entering his 28th consecutive season calling lookouts baseball now we call him the voice we love to call him that because of who he is but realistically that's a nickname that you have you have earned and i mean in in chattanooga and in the southern league i mean you are you are literally known when when somebody says the voice if they're talking about southern league baseball they know that they're talking about larry ward and I mean, and you, yeah. you've really taken into Chattanooga. You've really, you know, you've really kicked it down there. And I just want to say again, congratulations, because that's a that's an amazing honor. You've had a, you know, you've had a lifetime already. And you've got a lot yet to go. So, and it's really, you know, I'm well, really honored to get to talk to you, and really proud of you, man. And just really, you know, congrats. It's it's a it's a well deserved honor. I'll just say it that way. Well, I really appreciate it. You're you're too kind, and and um, you know, it's, it, it, uh, guys, it's just a job. Come on. I mean, seriously, right? But it's a great job. But it's a great job, though. Play it. To there is it. no be the greatest job on earth. <laughs> I, I said. So, I said something to uh, somebody. I started this this venture in radio by really by accident. Many, 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 many. Well, forty plus years ago, whatever. And I, and I was I was reminded. My cousin sent me an article from uh, the Dallas Chronicle in the Dallas, Oregon. Uh, that they put uh, this story in the Chronicle. Um, uh, and I was reminded that, that it reminded me that my first baseball game was a little league adventure, uh, totally by accident because I was challenged. If I could sell the advertising, I could tell the ball game. I sell it, you can tell it. And that's what I did. Okay. And I go back thinking about that day <laughs> with, with a, um, uh, I don't know what I used for a scorebook, but I was in a van, had the Marty, and I was doing baseball from behind the steering wheel, keeping score and doing play-by-play, not knowing what was going to happen 40-plus years later. And not knowing, obviously. It's like uh, Harvey Kilber said when I asked him. I said, how do you do – you, you don't know that you're going to be in the Hall of Fame when you start this adventure. He goes, no, you play as hard as you can play. Keep your nose as clean as you can keep it. You work with people that you love and you work with uh, within the system, and you do what you have to do to make it work, and and don't ever uh, disrespect or don't ever unlove the game of baseball. And I went, wow. <laughs> How do you say it any better than that? 
how do you put it in better words than respect the game, love the game, and play it as hard as you can? You end up in the Hall of Fame. Not everybody does. But, you know, I mean, his Hall of Fame was a whole lot bigger than what mine is. But it's one of those things where if you do it the right way, I guess, if you do it the right way, then things come come to you. Uh, I don't know. I'm rambling on. So. That's no, that's okay. That's okay. I was just going to say before Daryl <laughs> Daryl's got a question real quick, but I'm going to before that I was just to feed off that killer point. I got to meet Harmon a, a few times, you know, up here after his playing career was done, and All I right. think to to add on to that is Killebrew never Harmon never acted like he was, you know, as great as he was. He never had that that no. you know that air that aura of acting like I'm better than the rest of you. And a little a funny antidote to that is the first time I ever saw him at we have a, a event every year called Twins Fest where they they bring right. in you know a lot right. of the players and you know you get to you know meet them autographs and that whole thing. And yep. Justin Morneau, the first time he as a twin ever had to go to Twins Fest, he had to sit at the same table as Harmon Killebrew. So you know, when the fans come up, he was and Morneau used to have pretty sloppy signature it wasn't exactly something that you take a ball home and go oh yeah that's more no well right. after right. about 45 minutes of, of watching him sign Harmon Killebrew actually stopped him during Twins Fest stopped him signing and looked over at him and said you need to remember one thing Justin you know stop or you know you need to sign that baseball so that when these kids and these you know these fans when they go home they can actually see that you took the time to appreciate them coming out yeah and actually you know Right, and, and and Harmon was just he was always that that kind of a guy, and obviously it yep. seemed like you picked up on what he said early on because you, you know now it seems to me like in Chattanooga you're that same kind of guy. Everybody loves Larry Ward in Lookout Nation, and you know what? That's why it it took place for you as well, and that's why now you're yep. going to be at you know the All Star Game in Pearl on June 21st, and they're going to mention your name in a very upper echelon in the Southern League. Well, there you go, three days off, and I lost it. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be, it, it is, it, as I said before, it's very humbling and it's, it's nice to be mentioned within the sentence of some of those people. Um, but to live up to what they provided, uh, I'm a little bit short of that. And I understand that, but I am very humbled to, uh, to be a part of that group. Let's put it that way. There might be some young announcer down the road, though, Larry, that in, in you know a few years, a decade or so, might be going, hey, I, I heard Larry Ward call baseball games, though, for 29 years, and I wanted to do what he did. So, you know, I guess well, look at it that way. I, yeah, I, I, and, and I get uh, comments and, and I get uh, tapes or and or, uh, you know, websites from different youngsters along the way. And um, yeah, some of them are going to make it and some of them aren't. That's just the way it works. <laughs> That's the way it shakes out. Hey, Daryl, you, you had yeah. a question you wanted to, to ask. Larry yeah, I wanted to go because, you know, this is the greatest game and you were asking, are you kind of said, you know, this is, this is the greatest game. And how, how do you, how do you compete with it? How do you fix it? And, I, and I'm a, I'm a fan of all sports. I love college basketball, right. football, right. I mean, NASCAR, hockey, but baseball is America's pastime. But there seems to be a little generational yeah. war going on with uh, some of the old timers like Goose Gossage, uh, who's a you know perennial. I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. He's a fan, fantastic pitcher, but he's upset with some of the younger guys, uh, specifically Bryce Harper. He was out. Uh, he called, kind of called him out. Uh, he called 
Jose Batista for his bat flip last year in the, in the big playoff game. And now as a 41-year-old who's been watching baseball since he was you know, six years old, probably, myself, I didn't see a problem with it. But as someone who's covered it for over 30-plus years and probably watched it even longer, what's your take on that over the little generational gap we have here uh, with some of the disagreements on uh, what should be done and shouldn't be done in baseball? I think, quite frankly, I don't think it's any different than life Um, because as each generation comes along, each decade that passes, there's another addition of something, whether it's a bat flip or whether it's a trot or whether it's a home run trot or whether it's a this or a that. Um, is it correct? As long as you're, are you disrespecting the game? Elders, elder players will go, well, that's just disrespectful to the game. Um, Ben Scully once said on a broadcast, Baseball is like the game of life. It's nine innings of where a third is your birth in your teenage years. The other third is your grown-up, married, maturing years. And the last three innings are the three that you reflect, you contemplate, and then you pass on at the end. Um And what we need to do is young people need to understand that, yes, I have a little renegade in me. Or, yes, I feel a little flippant, if you will. Or I'm going to pop off. You know what? Sooner or later, they find out that in those middle three innings, they begin to understand that they're growing three innings and uh, uh, teenage years and getting into it. Now all of a sudden they're in the middle three. When they finish those middle three, they're in their declining years or their past playing days, and it all comes back. And then they begin to say to a bat flipper, "Hey, you're disrespecting the game." So what goes around comes around, guys, and and that will come back to them sooner or later. I don't agree with it. Some of the antics, no, not at all, because I'm an older guy and I like the game in a more pure form. Uh, but, but be honest with you, I didn't have a bad deal having a DH last year uh, and not having to uh, unfold four pitching changes or four position changes during a game. I don't like it as much as I thought I, I did dislike it. But here's the thing. The game does not change. See the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball. Play the game as hard as you can. That's all you got to do. If you flip the bat, you're going to pay that consequence either from your teammates or from the opposing team or the opposing pitcher. Very nice. Very nice. That's all said. That's all you got to do is just respect the game, whether you flip the bat or not. That's a great way to put it right there. And and right there, that's going to lead me into – First thing I want, to, I want to ask you, let's talk about, you know, we talked about 2016 from your standpoint. Let's talk about 2016, Larry, from the lookout standpoint. Now, I, I think they're going to have another pretty solid, you know, ball club down there. There's going to be a lot of pitching prospects that are going to have a real good chance in the Twins organization to be 
in Chattanooga for an extended period of time in 2016. You know, a couple of guys that we've hyped a, a lot up here on Talking Twins, uh, Steven Gonsalves, who has a real good chance to come from Fort Myers to Chattanooga in 2016. Cole Stewart's another name. Ryan Eads is another name. You know, maybe even Tyler J. You know, I, I know that maybe some of the bats aren't quite there yet, and, and we'll see how that plays out. But what is your kind of early outlook if we're looking at the lookouts for 2016? You know, if Twins fans wanted to hear it from somebody who's covered this ball club and has a very extensive knowledge of the lookouts, what is your kind of just initial? I mean, obviously we don't have crystal balls here, but what is your initial kind of, you know, picture, your initial, you know, picture of the, the lookouts in 2016? Well, I'm going to tell you what, if any of those guys can live up to what some of the guys they had uh, last year in uh, Sano and Buxton, um, Barrios, uh, uh, you know, those are the names that are going to make the Twins over the next three or four years great again. Those are the names that are going to win World Series and pennants again. If any of those guys, and you take a look at, I've looked at some of the stuff with uh, Gonzalez. Uh, this is a, this this kid can pitch. Yes, I've never seen him. But oh my God, if you look at if you just look at what some of the people are saying about him, uh, oh my gosh, you know who knows? He may be the next Sandy Koufax for crying out loud. Well, I mean this guy is this kid's unbelievable. And I will uh, say we had just as a side note, real quick, we have seen him. We got a chance to see him a couple of times live in, in Cedar Rapids, and and boy, right. he's number one. I will say he's one a, thing you're going to love about him is his maturity. The, I mean, the young man for his age, and we actually, go. we, we got to for go a out 21 year old. He's dead. And that's all his parents. We, we <laughs> got to meet with him, Larry. Um, they were up here for twins fest and Gonsalves was one of the, the number of minor leaguers that got to come up here. And we actually went out with him for an evening before the last day of twins fest and got to really right. sit down and talk with him kind of away from, you know, the front office and away from all the other influences, him, Garver and Jake Reed. And, we went out with those three, and I will tell you that it's really amazing. And I've actually, I get to talk to his dad now and again. His dad's uh, Joaquin Gonzalez, and and I'll tell you that really, yeah. it's it's amazing his maturity level for the age that he's at. That if he just keeps his head on his shoulders, yeah, the sky for him is the. I mean, it, it, the the ceiling is right. the sky. I mean, it, it's going to be an amazing. You're going to love just getting to interview him when he gets there, talking to him because he just. I mean, there's a lot of kids that have that level of talent. And then they start getting, they start to hear that their their name, you know, they're going to be this guy, that guy, and, and you, I'm, you've seen this way more than I have. The head blows oh, yeah. off the shoulders, and they think that they're the next. Like you said, they start telling themselves, you know, I'm the next Sandy Koufax, yeah. I'm the next Roger Clemens. Right. He doesn't. His mindset really is just keep sticking his face in it, and you know, working and working. And he's never happy with, you know, if he's got two good pitches going, the next season he's back in San Diego working on a third. Or he's working on this right. or that. So I really think that I think with him it's it's not just the hype. I think you're gonna have a lot of good pitching prospects down there. Um, I mean, as I mean, and you got Doug Mankavich back there for another you know season. You've got the yep. uh, the hitting coach that was at uh, Cedar Rapids last year, Tommy Watkins, yep. who's uh, Tommy's a he's a, you're gonna like him because he's a no not. I mean, he's a fun guy, but he's a you know he's a down to it. Let's get into it. You know, right. you know, play the right. game. In fact, when we were in Cedar Rapids, as a side note, Daryl and I were there last year, and when we got down there for a three-game series, Gonsalves pitched on a Friday night. Little, little erratic to to start the game, but his, his dad was there. Bad, he was probably his one off outing in Cedar Rapids. And his and his wow. pop was and his pop was there. Flew in from San Diego for his one start, and then was gonna you know jump back out the next night. But the thing was, they faced Seattle and they faced a uh, kid. 
um, down there that is one of Seattle's top um, high A prospects, and he basically had a perfect not basically he had a perfect game going through six innings, and a mm. no hitter going through seven. And at 68 pitches, their manager for Pulaski pulls him out, and oh. we we couldn't believe it. We're like, wow. Well, I'll, I'll tell you in a moment what they must have saw later on, but it ends up that the the Colonels got no hit that night. And Tommy Watkins mm. comes into we're in we're in Jake Mauer's office just sitting down to get ready to start interviewing Jake on the game, and Tommy Watkins comes in and he's just pissed off. I mean he's just livid. Right. And you know Jake is trying to offer him some food, something to eat after the game, and I finally hear it from Tommy. He goes, "I've been a hitting coach for six years down here. This is the first time I've ever had one of my clubs get no hit." And he wouldn't even take any food. He was just that. You <laughs> know. He threw the food. Yeah. He threw so the you're, food. you're funny. You're you're gonna love Tommy down there. I mean, you're you're gonna have a lot of fun. Now, on that side note of why they pulled that kid out of that game, Monday morning it comes out in the press. The kid got an MRI and had to have Tommy John surgery. Wow. So and they must was, have right, saw something. He was, something their top, he was their top prospect for the pitching too. Yeah. Seattle's so they must have. Prospect. Must have saw something in the dugout why they yanked that kid out yep. of the game, but you know, yep. just in looking at all them all the prospects down there, I, I gotta believe that that Chattanooga's got a pretty gonna have a pretty fun season down there in terms of, you know, you got some you guys... good guys starting out in Chattanooga, and like, like we're saying in Fort Myers, you got a lot of guys that are gonna get promoted within two three months. Right. Last right. last year, you guys had all the hitting in the world, and now you're gonna have all the pitching in the world. <laughs> so it's well, gonna be a fun. And season. here's the and here's the thing: you can have great hitters, but if you got no pitching and no defense, you're not yep. going to win. Yep. Right. You have to have pitching and defense. And I don't care if a guy hits 238, as long as he can gather anything in that comes near him in the field and, and throw the guy out. And you got a pitcher who's on the mound that can keep the other team to one or two runs. You're going to win ball games. You just well, at the end of the have. season, I don't think yeah. anybody gave. Uh, the, the lookouts any sort of chance of, of getting to no. where they got, well, actually win the championship no. because everybody got promoted. But like and, you said, good defense, but good pitching, good yeah. hitting, clutch hitting. But, but the other side of that coin was there were guys ready to come up and ready to yes. accept the challenge. It took them two to three weeks, and I can mention names, but I'm not. There took <laughs> two to three weeks, and a light finally came on that, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to throw strikes. I'm supposed to hit the ball off the wall. I'm supposed to dive and make that play. Yep. I can do this. And when they figured that out, there was no stopping it. And that's exactly what happened. So, and, and so we've got we some guys coming back. Then for Chattanooga? I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, come on, guys. Don't get me stepping in the bucket too soon here. Okay, uh, okay, okay. It would, hey, it'd be sweet. It would be sweet. Uh, because I'm not, you know, I don't know how many more years I've got to, that I can ride that bus, uh, et cetera. But uh, I w- it would be it would be nice to have back-to-backers for a change. I'm tired of Birmingham or Montgomery or Mobile <laughs> or Jacksonville doing that. It'd be or the Braves for that matter. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if Chattanooga could do that back-to-back. That's right. That'd be, Absolutely. That'd be kind of sweet. That'd be fun. Well, that Larry. Mentioning, you, you said something about mentioning the light come on when the guys, you know, when the light ball pops and they start to realize what they've got to do to be at, at that level and then go from double A on. And last year, you, and I'm going to mention a couple of names, you got to see some of these young arms last year. You're going to get to see a couple of them again, at least to start 2016. Um, just kind of your opinion on, on, on a couple of these guys, which ones you think are going to make that next jump the quickest. You've got guys like Nick Birdie. 
Um, JT Chagua, who just the Twins just recently made him, you know, the move to send him back, you know, back down again. Um, Mason right. Melitakis and then Jake Reed. Looking at just those four guys, if you had to look right now, which one of those guys to you exhibits both obviously the physical talent, that's that's obviously a piece of it in this game, but also the the mental qualities to be, you know, ready to move up to whether it's triple uh, A at Rochester or maybe even to make that final jump and be able to come into Minneapolis and play a target field. Which one of those guys would you kind of, you know, you know, like not like to see, but which one of you guys do you think has that that ability to be one of the first to make that jump? I really, and and all four, are very qualified. But and, and I think Jake has a great opportunity. Um, who was the first one you said? Uh, uh, Nick uh, Birdie. Nick Birdie. Nick, yeah, Birdie. Nick has a great opportunity as well. He just has to worry about keeping the ball within himself. Throw the strikes. You can throw it on that 100 miles an hour, but you don't have to. Make it move. Get in the zone. But the kid that I think, best of all, who will shake his head, get the cobwebs out between the ears, and will concentrate is Shagwa. Is Shagwa, yep. He's unfreaking believe. He does not know how good he is. Seriously, he oh, really doesn't. And that's a good thing. And he, and he, yes, and he needs to quit worrying about what anybody else thinks. Go do your job, young man. That's all you got to do. All four of them. That's all they have to do, because they're uh, all going to pitch in the big leagues. I mean, they're all going to play in the big leagues. But what you have to do is, Shaggy, quit worrying about it. Don't worry. What? So a guy gets a base hit off of you. So what? Good Lord Almighty. They're, they're paid a gajillion dollars to hit 275. Yeah. They, they're going to fail uh, over uh, seven times out of every 10 at-bats, and you get to make them fail. Exactly. That's what you got to concentrate on. Don't worry about that one base hit they're going to get. So there you go. Okay, I've got I've got and, back and, to back. I'm going to follow up with two pitching questions. I'm going to keep pitching. Alex Meyer, you got to see him quite a bit. He's still in camp. You got to think he it's it's reliever or bust now. It is he going to make it at? He's had he's been he's been really sporadic so far, and it's only been two weeks, so it's it's still a young spring training. Yeah, we saw his talent two years ago, and it was sky's the limit. But last year he imploded. Towards the end of the year, he seemed to calm himself down and kind of refine himself, and he was fine in AAA. And now we're seeing he, that that control is a big issue right now. He he's a he's a definite asset if he if he can control his fastball. Is he going to make it, or is his confidence just shot? See, I and and I don't know Alex that well. I, I really don't. Okay. Um, And I think with any player, just like any person, um, there is a somehow you've got to find out what is it that's causing that button not to be pushed, the right button not to be pushed. What are you coming? Are you coming across the body? Are you uh, striding too long? Are you not pushing with the right, correct leg? Are you are you snapping a wrist? Are you what are you doing? And I think that's what what he's got to find out. And psychologically, and trust me, guys, I don't give a damn what anybody says. Yogi is correct. Ninety percent of this game, 
or, or, or uh, even I believe this, 90% of this game is between the ears. Yep. Sorry. It's it played between your ears. And if you think you can't do it, you won't. If you think you can do it, you keep working at it, and you will. And, and, okay, that, and then my to me, that's question. what it sounds like he's going to do. And and, and, yeah. and and that's what we're kind of thinking, too, with, with, with Alex, is that maybe it was just psychologically because he didn't get called up a year ago. And then yep. when he did, he got rocked and he just had a hard time with it. But now that he knows his role is going to be in the bullpen, hopefully he can focus and just kind of gear up for that. We've, we've seen the success out of Trevor May. But my follow-up question I wanted to ask you is that you've got Hughes, Gibson, and Santana all look like they're slotted for opening day. Or not opening day, but they're going to be in some form or other, one, two, or three. And then you got Duffy, Malone, Nolasco, and, and Berrios. And Berrios, I don't believe, will be. Uh, I think he'll get optioned down to AAA at some point. Uh, Duffy did excel. He did fantastic uh, the end of last season for the Twins. Malone has looked absolutely dynamite, and he would be the one lefty. And then you got Ricky Nolasco. Uh, <laughs> if you had to put your GM cap on, if, if you already have Hughes, Gibby, and Santana, who do you put in the other two? Guys, I'm in a Hall of Fame as a minor league that, You're a Hall of Famer. I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> in the Hall of Fame as a general manager at the big league level. And it, and, you got more and, experience than some of the GMs up here. Well, well now, I'm not going to discuss that topic. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't want a, to be a general manager and have to make those decisions unless I'd had the experience and, and to, to say, you know, who's on this season? Who knows? Who's off? Who's, who's, who's not telling you about something that's wrong with their elbow? Who's not telling you that they've got problems uh, at home or Who's not telling you that, uh, you know, they just don't care anymore? Who knows? You know, psychologically, with a lot of these guys, they don't even know what's wrong with them until it comes out, until you sit and discuss it with them, or until you watch them uh, not perform the way they're supposed to perform. And to, and for me to sit here and tell you the next three, I, I could be so far off it's not even funny, or I could be spot on. Either way... I'm not the guy that needs to be making that decision and or even discussing the the probability. I, you know, there's some of these guys that are in the still in the minor league system. After one year, I'm not even sure I know as well as I should know, other than the ones I saw last year. Uh, now, when I was 21 years with the Reds, I could I could probably make that as presumption. I don't want to make any assumption, but presumption of who I would think. Uh, but but I'm not that ensconced in the Twins organization yet to, to try to pull try to pull one out of the hat and and and, and overstep the GM of the Minnesota Twins. Well, no, I will I will say this, Larry. Some of these GMs in this league. I think you give him, you know, some more credit, not, not discounting Terry Ryan. Terry's been doing this for a long time. He's a baseball man, but some of these guys nowadays in, in the league too, though, they're not, not all these GMs are, are baseball guys. Some of these guys are coming into the game with, you know, business backgrounds and, and this and that. So right. I, I would give, I would, I would give your stake in this a little bit more. That's a guy that's been watching the game and calling it for 34 years. And I would some guy who just popped out of maybe an Ivy league school with a, 
with a business degree Statistic. and thinks he can manage money. Right. And he could, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, not every GM is going to be like Billy Bean and Moneyball and, and put together a team with just, you know, right. just numbers and money. Right. But I want to say, as I lead into my next question, because you kind of hit it when you were mentioning the, the mental part of the game. And this game is extremely mental. And how, I, how I've always equated to people how mental this game is, is look at the most successful hitters in this game. They're 300 and plus hitters. If you're a 300 hitter in, in any level of baseball, you're a great hitter. Okay, that means at the plate, not counting walks, not counting being hit by a pitch. That right. means that thirty no, percent no, right. of thirty percent of the time you are successful. Seventy percent of the time you got to walk back to the dugout, and if you're just going to drop your head down and just go, well, you know, woe is me. Well, guess what? You're you're going to get owned every time you come back up again. But the guys that are that get that realize that yeah, seventy percent of the time in this game I'm going to fail. Now, if you look at other major sports, if you're a quarterback and your completion percentage was thirty percent. You wouldn't be in the NFL more than a, more than a season or two. If you were a basketball player and your field goal yep. percentage was 30% yep. and you're supposed to be a good shooter, you wouldn't be in the yep. NBA very long. But in this league, it you mentioned the word humbling earlier when we talked about your induction, and this game is the most humbling game because what it's going to what it tests you and what it's going to tell you is, okay, you're going to fail the majority of the time, but it's how well you deal with that and come back from failure that shows how great of a player you are. And that leads into my question. You had a great guy down there that you probably did get to know a little bit, and that's Max Kepler. And this is a kid who seems like he, you know, he has done a good job of, of learning, you know, how to, you know, mentally be ready for this game and to play this game. He's going to start the season in AAA. Um, you know, knowing what you know about Max, how long do you think before he's ready to be a, if not already, before he really has that shot and is ready to be a full-time Major League Baseball player? Um, I haven't seen him yet, obviously, this spring, but if he is as, uh, got his head on his shoulders, uh, this year, the way he had when he approached the game in Chattanooga, I would say between 30 and 45 days, okay. they will, wow. they will have to, they will have to test him. They will have just to. so you know, right he now will, he is hitting he will, 333. He will, well, see, I didn't know that, but he yeah, will force them really well. to test them okay. because he knows what it takes. Nice. He just knows. Okay. He knows. So that's, that yeah, one, I'll follow that, that up with. A, you got, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that one, guys, is almost a no-brainer. I really am going to be a hero on that deal. I'll tell you. Nice. Right there we go. There we go. <laughs> no, and I love that there because we go. that leads me into, uh, you know, the Twins have this plethora of outfield. Now they got Sano for sure is going to be playing oh, outfield. Rosario, yep. and it looks like Buxton. Uh, now I don't. Hopefully he gets some more at bats. Two-part question: Should Buxton, if he's not hitting very well, even though his defense is gold glove worthy already, should they keep him in the bigs or do you put him in the minors for maybe a month? And then assuming that they do keep him in the majors, who's their fourth and fifth outfielder? I mean, do you keep, it's like you say, he needs, you got, you got Kepler who needs 30 to 45 days Ooh. or so, yeah. but you got Santana, Sweeney, Carlos Quinton. Do you keep any of those? You got Arcia. If you had to, if you had to pick two, who do you keep in the lineup? Here, here's here's my thing, guys. 
sending you to triple A to tune you back up or and or to keep you on an even keel should not be considered a punishment. Sending okay. you to double A or high A, you did something wrong. Okay. For whatever reason. But sending you to triple A is kind of like keeping you in the wings uh, for the next audition. Because we got a couple of guys that are outshining you a little bit in this particular part. So we need to test them, but we need you to stay ready. So if we sit you on the bench and you gather cobwebs, how are we keeping you ready? Because if, if at AAA you're not playing every day, or if, you're, if you don't go to AAA and play every day to stay ready, you're going to sit on the bench and get stale, then what good are you to us there? So you've got to have them. You've got to have uh, one of those guys or two of those guys playing at AAA on a regular basis, and and then you 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 pick between that and the other, you know. So I mean, you pick you pick one or two of those guys uh, to eventually get back up there. So oh, perfect. That's that, and that's the way you have to do it. Uh, you can't do it any other way. So don't. The, the player shouldn't, nor should the general manager treat it as, or a manager treat it as, a punishment sending you to AAA. That's, that's, where, that's where the next player comes from many times. Uh, Max Kepler, for example, could go straight from AA to the big leagues, as I've seen that happen over and over and over again from the Southern League. And, and in lookouts players in different venues, Reds, Dodgers, and now the Twins. but. But you know what? You you can't use AAA as a punishment. So, Buxton, if you go to AAA and you're scuffling with a bat, here's what we want you to do. We know you can field, you can run, you got speed, you got agility, you can steal bases. We want you to work on hitting. Get the hitting rolling, and we're going to see what happens up here with with the other two or three guys. And, and, and you know what? And one of those guys has got to sit on the bench. The fourth or fifth guy has got to sit on the bench. Two guys are going to be on the bench. They're going to develop cobwebs or not. Or you know, it's not like the National League where you can where you have to switch three or four guys during a game if you're going to do uh, pitching switches. It's the American League. It's a DH. So you got a guy that can if he's not playing in the outfield, he can DH. Uh, is Buxton what you want him to be your DH? No, you need him in the outfield to shag down. Plot balls. The guy's got speed of like a gazelle for crying out loud. But <laughs> yes, if he's he scuffling, if he's scuffling with a bat during spring training, send him to 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 AAA. But don't not as a punishment, only as an encouragement to get that bat a little quicker. If you can't get it going through spring training or whichever one of those guys. That's what I'm saying. Oh nice. boy, it's it sounds like for you being uncomfortable with that that GM hat on, it sounds like you just wore it pretty well you right pretty there. Pretty much that, wore that. Yeah, that, that sounded like a, a guy that could be a pretty good GM somewhere, maybe. That's you a know? guy with a little bit of knowledge of baseball, right there. Well, I guess, I guess. Sorry, it does show no. once in a while. I guess. I love it. Hey, that's that. that that's love a, it. That's a very fair take. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Larry. Kind of the the change we're starting to see in the major league game is where clubs are starting to get prospects from. You know, you looked at the into the 80s, into the 90s, it was the start to become the jump, especially in the late 80s, uh, more or less, you know, really the, the heavy starting to hit the, you know, the Dominican, the Latin kids. And now right. it's it, there's been kind of a new wave now, and it's now it's starting to grab guys from the Asian leagues, from, you know, from Japan, 
from the Korean leagues. And obviously where I'm leading with that is, you know, the Twins made a big move in the offseason and, and um, signing Byung-ho Park. Now, this is a kid that over right. in the Korean league, I mean, literally destroyed the baseball back-to-back 50-plus home run seasons. Now, nobody expects that that's going to translate, you know, into MLB in, in 50 home run numbers. But, boy, in spring training, he has shown the power. He's got three already on the on the young spring training season. And if this kid could even, let's say, hit, you know, you know, and I still I'm going to call him a kid because he's still almost you know 12 years younger than me. But if he can hit, let's say 280, somewhere in that range. Now he was a 330, 340 type hitter in Korea. Obviously, it's a little bit different over in the KBO. They don't see quite the level of the fastball here. But he's right. already shown in spring training that a 90 mile an hour fastball doesn't doesn't scare him at all. He's taken a couple of them, you know, out of Hammond Stadium. If he can hit, you know, 280 and say 20 to 25 homers. How dangerous does he make this Twins lineup when you've already got guys like Sano, Trevor Plouffe, Brian Dozier, Eddie Rosario, who you saw, who, by the way, Twins fans, just hit a two-run homer tonight in the game against the Red Sox a minute ago. <laughs> um, so he's, you know, that, that kid who had, you know, led the, led the American yeah. League in outfield assists as a rookie and in, and, and triples. in triples. I mean, I mean, this lineup, if they could get even, you know, half of what Park did in, in, in Korea here, you're starting to look at a lineup that could be a pretty formidable in the American League hitting lineup. I mean, what is your take kind of on, first of all, the game kind of making that move now to grab guys from the Asian leagues and just kind of your take on what you think Park could do to this lineup if, if he could even be that 20 to 25 home run guy? Well, I think, first of all, uh, it's been talked about for, for decades that the game is going to become international before yep. it's all said and done. Yep. And that may be, be be monetarily the way to go. I don't necessarily agree with total international because I don't think there's too many Ruskies that can play uh, baseball, quite sure. frankly, in the Siberian sun- tundra. However, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, the, the the Asian guys players have a head start over the rest of the European type areas because they've been at it for 50, 60 years playing baseball. They've been at it a lot longer than they have in Germany and England or Italy or wherever, Spain, and, and, and those summer leagues that play over there. The, the Asian players have been playing baseball as long as, 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 not as long as our guys have, but for a long, long time, because we introduced it during World War II uh, in the Asian, to the Asian people. Uh, so I think if you are deserved, yes, you should have the opportunity. Now, Park, if he's going to do 280, hit 25 to 30 home runs, and drive in 85 to 120 runs, yes, he's worth every penny and worth just to to say, look, this lineup, you're not going to get past this lineup. Um, and, and as far as hitting 90 to 95 mile an hour fastballs, everybody in the big leagues can do that. Anybody can hit that. Can he sustain the pressure that once they figure out whatever his weakness might be, once they figure that out, that's all he sees. Can he sustain that type of uh, of, uh, of uh, improvement? Can he sustain that pressure? And and that's the key. Uh, and that goes without saying with almost anybody, but you asked me about him. But I think that that's the deal. He's got to be able, you've got to take the pressure. And, and if not for punishment, but if they say, um, you're still getting a paycheck of what we promised you, 
But you know what? We want you to go get tuned up for two weeks in Rochester. What's that attitude going to do? Good point. Can that, can that be done or should it be done? That's the other side of the coin. Uh, but well, overall, so far, he's I, shown that he can hit the ball, so that's good. Yeah, and that's great. And I hope he does. I, you know, guys, we've already figured it out. It's what? What's the minimum now? Five twenty-eight, five hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars a year. Yes, it is. To sit on the bench. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Good Lord, have mercy. I Give know. me two years of that. <laughs> nice job to have. And I'll buy a country. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, uh, and Larry, you, to, to you know, jump. So. To, to jump in there real quick on that point, I've, I've many times, and my wife's probably gotten old of me saying this, but I've always said that if Terry Ryan called me right now and said, you can have $500,000 a year to play Major League Baseball and put a bat in my hands, I would tell Terry Ryan and Paul Molitor, you better pray I don't kill people to win baseball games because for half a million dollars, I'm going to go out there and I'm sorry, but man, I'm I'm coming for, you know, I'm coming yeah. for Bear at that point. I mean, that, that isn't, you know, it's an, as I've always said, they're getting paid a king's ransom to play a child's game. And that's and, what and, it, and And in many cases, or not all cases, but some cases, the guys still whine about it. And I'm going, what are you whining about? Yeah, what don't you get? What in the <laughs> hell do you not get? You are given over a half a million dollars a year just as a rookie. Yes. To go put a uniform on and smell the aroma and the, be a part of something so grandiose that there are a good jillion people that would give their left leg you got just it. for an opportunity to step on the field, you let got alone it. put on a uniform. You got exactly. Stay um, out of trouble, smile, and play catch. Do it. Do you know? <laughs> it. I, I mean, good Lord. You know, and I had many discussions with Terry Ryan last summer, and I'm going to tell you what, too. What a class act. That guy is such a yes. great guy. Yes. He knows the game. Uh, it will far be it for me to even try to outguess what, uh, even come close to what he knows about the game. But we shared some thoughts, and, and encouragingly, I received some feedback of going uh, from him saying, you know what, you do know kind of about what you're talking about. Well, I, if you listen... Keep your yap shut, and you listen to people like a Terry Ryan or Scouts or whatever for 30 years. You learn something. Something's got to come off the wall. If you don't, get the hell out. You know, it's kind of like a player. If you don't listen, you don't learn. If you don't learn, you don't produce. If you don't produce, you don't get five hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars a year. Get out. Hey, it's part and of the reason. The it's part of the reason we have you on, and when you start talking, I shut up because it's like a same thing, man. I'm I'm listening to a guy that's been doing this for a lot longer than I than I've been touching it, and you know, I sit back and 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 soak it in because it's you know, you, you get lucky if you get to be around knowledge like that and get to soak it in and learn it. At some point, hopefully, you learn enough, and then two down the road, you get to be the guy that maybe can transfer you know a tiny bit of that knowledge onto some next you know young guy. Whether it's like like I said, you in the booth calling games, whether it's you know, a player, I just, yeah, it, you hope that they all would get that light bulb. Unfortunately, there's always that percentage of them that just, no matter what, it, that, that piece of it never, never clicks. And that's why it's, it, it's, it's great when you see the guys that it does, the guys that end up being, you know, you know, the killer types and those kind of guys that, that always have that, that mindset that it's right. always about furthering the game, passing the game on and, you know, and just letting the game teach you and then turning around and teaching it to somebody else. So that's that's the greatest part of baseball that I think no other sport offers, is that, that aspect right there. 
and 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 like everything else in life, respect the game. Yep. Respect the people in it. Respect the people who want to show you how it can be done because they didn't learn by accident. They learned by doing. They learned by watching. They learned by listening. And respect them. Respect. Them, that's all. That's what. It, that's the uh, golden rule. Just respect the people who have done it. Don't chide them. Don't make fun of them. If it's a guy who's 75 years old, he's a scout. Trust me, pal. If you're 25 years old and you think he doesn't know anything, you don't know diddly squat (laughs) because he's forgotten 10 times more than you'll ever learn if you don't shut up and listen to him. That's I couldn't. Yeah, that's that's so, beautiful. Hey, Daryl, I know you got one more one more yeah, question. I've got before one I wrap more it. question for you, Larry, because I know we're getting a little long yeah. here. I don't want to keep you any longer than we have to, uh, even though I really enjoy oh, talking right. to you. It's um, only been an hour. Don't worry about it. Oh, then we're good to go. <laughs> go then. Well, my favorite prospect. There's a lot of great Twins prospects, and I know a lot right. of Twins fans are can't wait. They're clamoring to see Jose Barrios now. If the twins follow Sue, kind of what the Chris Bryant rule they're calling it, uh, you know, where right. the Cubs kept Chris down there for a couple of weeks because of service time. If, if in fact, uh, that's what the twins do, and I'm not saying that would be wrong, that was actually what I believe the twins will do is to save on service time. Is he ready right now, based on everything you've seen Jose do, both double A and then if you followed what he did in triple A last year? I mean, he's dominated every level. Is he ready right now at his young age to be up in the bigs? He will let you know when he's ready with his actions. Okay. He is so focused on what he can do and is able to learn as he goes. At least he was when he left us in August, I think, of last year. I think it was August. He is ready. What he needs is the opportunity. Give him the opportunity. He will grab it. He will go for it. And he will show you what kind of a man, what kind of a uh, husband, what kind of a pitcher, what kind of a person he is. He will prove to you and show you. Yes, he's going to have some failures. Hey, this game is based on failing. It's yep. not based on winning. It's based on failing. It's not based on success. It's based on failing. But he will fail less than three guys or four guys or six guys that are right behind him. He will fail less than two guys ahead of him. If you give him the opportunity, he is level-headed. He is programmed. He is focused. And he, is, and he will be ready when he gets called. He's not going to come up there and stumble all over himself. He will be ready, and he will be a class act in doing so. Nice. Okay. Well, as we wrap it up, one one last piece. And, Larry, we always talk. We love talking to you. Um, we like to talk all the, the minor league guys. Morgan Hawk, who's the, the announcer down in Cedar Rapids. Uh, Bryce Zimmerman, who's the announcer at Fort Myers. Uh, Josh right. Wetzel, who calls the games up in Rochester. And as always, and I know we've had you do this before, but one thing I like to, when I always like to close it out, I like to, and you said before, if you can sell it, you can talk it. So one thing I'd like to yep. have you do is tell Twins fans, you know, 
why you know why first of all you know why should they come down to to see Chattanooga in 2016? Why should they come down to to catch a weekend of Lookouts baseball? Maybe when the Twins are off on the road or or something to that effect. Sell the the, the Lookouts and sell Chattanooga just real quick if you can in a small summation for 2016. The first thing is it's not called the scenic city by accident. It is scenic. <laughs> it is friendly. It is fun. Yes, it's hot in the summertime, but damn it, it's hot everywhere in the summertime, <laughs> except the North Pole and the Antarctic, okay? Nice. But when they come to Chattanooga and take in a lookouts game, while we don't have the most plush stadium in the world, we have the friendliest, we have the, the, the willingest to show you a good time. And you can stay right downtown, you can take in the aquarium, you can take in the, 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 the museums. You can go to great restaurants. You can come to a great baseball game. And, and again, you will meet some of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. Chattanooga uh, is not the scenic city, as I said, by accident. It's the scenic city because it, it is scenic, and it is friendly, and it is fun. And, and really, you know what? The, the, if the guys are on a, a western swing, it doesn't take that long to get to Chattanooga. And by the way, we do have an airport where planes land and take off. <laughs> so uh, it's not like we're, uh, you know, covered wagon days or anything like that. And you don't have to ride a raft down the river. We've got a great river boat you can ride, uh, the Southern Bell. I mean, you just, just come on down uh, and have a good time. And that's what you need to do. Well, and with that, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to get down there last year, but I do have it on my bucket list because I definitely want to come down and see you, especially before you're, you start mentioning that, how much longer you you're may be there or may not. But I, I do want to take up that offer you gave me, so I'll, 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 I'll give a little shout-out to you later on and um, as we get into the spring here and talk about setting up something or we can come down there, I can come down there, whatever, and we can, we can meet up and have a little fun down there in the scenic city because I definitely want to get down there in 2016 and, and catch up with you in the box down there. So... With that, I also want to tell Twins fans, if you haven't yet, um, go out on either Facebook or Twitter and congratulate Larry for his, his great honor in the Southern League Hall of Fame induction in 2016. You can do it a couple of different ways. The Lookouts have a Facebook page. You can go through a nice little shout-out there and give a nice little comment to Larry, or they've got the Twitter feed as well, and you can do that. And just give Larry a nice little you know, couple of words on you know what a great career he's already put in. He's going to keep kicking it out. Um, just, just give him some thanks for doing what he's doing down there. It's it's a pretty pretty neat thing when you're mentioning such a pretty high quality of names. And, you know, Larry's been doing it for a long time, and the people down there love him. We love him. And with that, we're going to wrap up our Down on the Farm segment here. We want to thank Larry Ward for joining Daryl and myself. Guys, we've got a lot more Twins chat coming up as well on Talking Twins. We're going to come back in our Twins chat segment, recap some of the last week's action down in the Grapefruit League. We're going to cover some of the moves that have happened on the roster as well. So stick around after the break, guys. We'll be right back here on Talking Twins.
This is Jason Douglas from Three Guys Talking. You're listening to Talking Twins on the 4D Podcast Network. Hey guys, we're back here in Talking Twins, and it is time now for Twins Chat. Hope you appreciated that that great interview with Larry Ward. That that's going to go down as as one of the better interviews that that Daryl and I ever had on this show. It was, I mean, almost an hour. Larry was very gracious with his time, and I think we could have probably coaxed another 30 minutes out of Larry if if we would have wanted to time up and and had more stuff. But you know what? We'll talk with Larry as the season goes on. Larry's always very generous with sitting down with talking twins. So really hope you twins fans appreciate it. You know what we got from Larry Ward. And again, go give Larry some congratulations for being inducted into the Southern hall of fame, uh, Southern league, excuse me, hall of fame for 2016. And again, the lookouts have a Facebook page and a Twitter account. Go grab both of those. The Twitter account is CH lookouts at CH lookouts. And then you can find them on Facebook as well. The Chattanooga lookouts, go take one of those avenues and, you know, just take 30 seconds to a minute of your time and just, Really go give Larry Ward some props. I know the lookouts will make sure that Larry gets it, and they'll they'll promote it as well. We would just really like our Twins fans to really give Larry some props because he's put a long, long time, uh, a lifetime in terms of his his career in baseball, and you know making lookouts baseball great. And we're lucky to have the lookouts in our in our stable now as part of our minor league family. So just go out and give Larry a shout, say congratulations, and you know you know props on that that 2016 Hall of Fame induction in the Southern League because it's really well-deserved and well-earned as as you heard during that interview. There's not many guys you get that will talk to you so candidly, you know, so honestly, and really so in-depth as Larry Ward gives you. And that's, you know, hope you had a lot of fun listening to that. We I know we had just as much fun in doing that interview. So with that, let's get into Twins Chat as I bring Daryl back in here. And, you know, Daryl, you know, a lot of, a lot of things happened the last week in, in Twins Camp down there in Fort Myers. We had some some roster moves as we kind of just update the fans if they weren't aware that that happened the last week. There was a few guys yeah. that, that that moved in terms of going back down to maybe their their minor league homes and a few guys that went to minor league camp as well. Yeah, we had our first and second cuts, if you want to call it that, or, or just moves. You know, they, they were somewhere to be expected. It's uh, summer. I kind of question why some other ones didn't go yet. Uh, I'm, I'm in the camp that I think some of the guys that we still have in camp that are expected, like Buxton, he needs more at-bats. Uh, so, yep, there, there were really no surprises. You know, Adam Brett Walker, Pat Dean, Mike Strong, Mason, JT, Chegua, uh, Landa, Rosario, Jake Reed, all been optioned down uh, to the respective uh, affiliates, whether it's Rochester, Double A, or High A. And to break that but, down, just so in case fans weren't aware, Pat Dean, Mike Strong, and Adam Brett Walker were optioned to AAA Rochester. Yes. Uh, Mason Melitakis and, and JT Shagwa, who you heard Larry, you know, really rave about and talk about, were optioned back down to the lookout. So Larry's going to get to see Melitakis and Shagwa to kick off the season down there in Chattanooga. Uh, Randy Rosario and uh, Yorman Landa were sent back to, to Fort Myers Class A, High A. And then right now to minor league camp, Jake Reed. Alex Swim, uh, Hiker Manessis, Engel, Engel Bielma, and then outfielder Ronaldo Rodriguez, from who was at Rochester last year. Those guys were sent down to minor league camp, so their their determinations are not yet made where right. they're going to lie out. It's going to depend on what, what they see in them in minor league camp. Some of those guys could go right back to the levels they were at. They could get bumped up a level Depending still. Depending on what their level is and what's needed too, right? It's, it's, it's exactly. It's both what the club organizationally needs 
and what the player shows you got it. it's what it's what both let's be honest jt shagwa he, he's not a double a he's he's a triple a or mlb and as and as i think you heard larry, larry, kind of mentioned that as well exactly as, as you heard larry you know, say so it's it just it's just you know they're going down with what's needed where they should be right now it doesn't mean they're going to be there very long though correct and we'll probably see some more moves to be quite honest i would say within the next Five to By seven days. We should. Yeah, I was going to say exactly. You'll see the next kind of wave of where guys get reassigned as the Twins start to to trim the roster. Remember, we've only got a couple of weeks left in spring training before the season kicks off, so those right. moves will have to start getting made, you know, fairly quickly so they can get that roster back down to that nice number of 25 that they need to have when they come up from Fort Myers and get ready to take on those Baltimore Orioles to open the season. So we'll we'll definitely highlight those next week as those moves happen later this week. We'll, we'll talk about those. Um, one of the things that I know we both talked about in the, in the pregame or pre-show meetings for us that we wanted to talk about this week was kind of who's going to hold, and we talked with Larry a little bit about this, who's going to grab on or hold those final couple of starting rotation spots. You know, we mentioned you know, in our talk with Larry that you got the guys like you know Irvin Santana, uh, Phil Hughes, Cal Gibson, bam, those three are locks. That's yep. going to be those your one, two, locks. Yeah, one, two, three, however you want to rank them. But as, as we talked about, as, as Daryl asked Larry the question of who are going to be the guys that are going to make those other two spots, well, Tommy Malone is right now starting to put a real solid... I, I, think, I think he's already got the spot. After his last start, Brad... He's making the know, case, Daryl. I mean, he, he went four innings against St. Louis. He no-hit him, and granted, it's just four innings. But he went four innings of no-hit ball... And now he's gone collectively nine innings with a two ERA, eight strikeouts, and a really low 1.88 batters average against. And that's phenomenal. And that and that four shutout innings that he did against St. Louis that we get their starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. It was that. That was not like the Cardinals, like you know, B or C squad. Not their this was, B squad, right? And let's not forget, he is the only left-handed option. And one one thing to jump in there too, what Molitor even said was he said it was just fun to watch Tommy use all of the pitches. So yeah, and, and what Molitor said is he's been hitting his spots, he's been on with his control, his curveball's been a little better, which is nice to see. His changeup, yep. Molitor said, has been good every time out. And right now that you know, and Malone by the way is out of options. So if they let him go, he would have to clear through waivers. That is not they didn't happen. bring him back to put him in the bullpen. I don't believe no, and definitely no. or you know they could, but they didn't bring him back just to simply have him down there uh, as an option to bring up. Well, I, and, I think he he was there to be an option as a starter. Well, and the fact of the matter is, they don't they're not going to be able to send him down because the fact that he's out of options, he would have right, to clear waivers, and there's no way it's. In, it's, it's, it's Starter or bullpen, but right now he's pitching like a starter. Yeah, because there's no way in God's green earth that if you put Tommy Malone on waivers, you lose he, him. Yeah, he wouldn't even clear it. It'd be two hours before you'd have, you'd see the the news pop up that X club right. has signed Tommy Malone. I mean, and it would be one of our rivals. You know that. Yeah, that, that that's how it would Yeah, the, the way it would go. That's the exactly. The White Sox claim. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then he wins twenty games. Or the Royals, and it just really bothered oh, the heck God. out of you. Yeah, that, let's not even talk about that because that would be awful. So it, what that means is, is if, and we both agree with this, that we think Tommy Malone's probably going to grab, the, you know, the fourth or fifth again, one of those two spots. But well, let's just it, say, let's just say he claims the fourth. Okay, let's say he claims the fourth. Let's just say for, he claims fourth. Now it's really, I don't, and and you and I differed on this, you know, earlier. 
I don't think I don't think Berrios, as well as he's been pitching, I don't I, I just I just believe that the twins are gonna option him down to triple A. I agree right now. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but they're gonna save the money, get him for another year, but he could be that first guy up, and then that means and, and and just just so everybody knows, as of today, uh Terry Ryan did say that Trevor May is going to be in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So he is not in running for a starting position. Correct. So that means it's out of uh, Ricky Nolasco and Tyler Duffy. Yes. Now, both have had inconsistent off-seasons. Correct. In- inconsistent springs. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. That's Spring okay. Training. Yep. yep, you got both it. Both of yep. it. But we saw last year Duffy string together – a phenomenal end of the season. Oh, I mean, ama- an amazing I mean, two, three he months. He carried yeah. us. He carried enough. I mean, between him and Jepson, you could say those two pitchers saved the season for, for the Twins. Be fair. I mean, they, they, they didn't make it to the postseason, but if it wasn't for those two, there wouldn't be an almost there correct. last year. Correct, correct. Right? Is that fair to say? I'd say that's an extremely fair statement to say. Okay, and now you have, but now you have Nolasco's representatives saying that he would be unhappy if he's not a starter. Now, what's that mean? Well, you, you know, know what? To me, that means that means about zero because guess what? Nolasco's under contract, so well, he's under contract. And okay, so if he's unhappy now, in, in I, I when when I first heard this, Brad, I thought, okay, well, I bet Trevor May wasn't very happy. Last year, even though he wasn't pitching well as a starter, he was pitching okay, but he wasn't pitching great as a starter. And then he got, if you want to call it, demoted to the bullpen, and then he flourished because, you know what? Trevor May acted as a professional. He took it as, okay, you know what? All right, this is what I got to do to be better. This is what the team wants me to do. And he flourished in it in 2015. Trevor May absolutely flourished in it. Now, He's one, and 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 let's let's just say, uh, Terry Ryan said when when, they, when it came out today that Trevor May was going to be a bullpen. He was going to be start the season out as bullpen, but he, uh, Terry Ryan also said he does have the makeup and can be a starter for the Minnesota Twins. That's because of the work ethic that he's shown. That's because of the attitude, the professional attitude that he's shown. Well, we're seeing out of Ricky in Alaska, and I don't blame his representatives for saying it because that's what they're supposed to do. Correct. Saying that he's not going to be happy if he's not a starter. Correct. Because, of course, he's known as a starter. But we didn't think that Ricky in Alaska, when, when he got signed here, and if I remember right, it was around $49, 50000000 million, right? 49 for like four a, years. Okay, four years, 49 he, we, we didn't think we were getting the next Cy Young. We, didn't, we weren't thinking we were getting next Greg Maddox. But we thought we were going to get a quality pitcher that was going to get us 15, we're 15, 16 wins and keep us in the games. And it hasn't happened because of injuries, performance, you know, for Combina- whatever reason. It combination. hasn't happened. Combination, yep. Right. So now, so now we got a, a – we got – all these minor leaguers coming up, and we got Ricky there, but sitting there at at okay, 
well, now what? It, it, he just he hasn't done well. So well, th- thus far, he had he had one good. He did have one good spring training uh, performance. Party. Yep. He did have one good one. Um, but collectively, he hasn't looked good at all. But I'll say this I mean, too, though, Daryl, the the front office really isn't going to care about a what is what is his representation says. The front office for the Twins, and B, they're not going to care personally what he thinks about it. The front office is looking at we got to, you know, Terry Ryan's got to put the mindset out there. I've got to get the best rotation I can into Paul Molitor's hands, so Paul Molitor then on the field, Molly can then in turn get the best performance out of those guys. If it works out that Ricky's number six, which it could shake out that it way, guess what? Shakes out that way, yeah. Then that that's what it is. If Nolasco doesn't like it, he can sit and pout all year, but that's only going to do a couple of things. Number one. That's not going to endear him to the other twenty-four guys in the clubhouse. Any other, well, it's not, or any other team that or, might yes, want him. Correct, and that was I was going to say that was my second point is if he thinks he's going to somehow get out of here, that's not really going to be a good selling card because a lot of other clubs and our, our other GMs are going to see the same thing happening and going, well, okay, why do I want to trade for that guy? Because is he going to come to my team and then also play this? I'm not happy because I'm not where I want to be. Well, and, and as of right now, his durability and pitchability don't bode well for a trade. So it's not like if he's unhappy, he's going to get traded because no one's going to pick him up with that salary. I, got, I, I I hate to say it, but if he's unhappy, he's going to have to, as as the slogan would say, suck it up and deal with it because he's not going to get dealt. There right now isn't a big market for that guy. You just look at the numbers. There's not. And you mentioned the injuries. That's a huge piece right there. That doesn't bode well for him. He's going to have to suck it up and deal with it that he may be a long reliever spot starter guy. And if he doesn't like it, well, you know what? That's that's too bad. Unless, you're, unless your representation, your agent can pull some great deal out of the works. And remember, the Twins aren't going to just, you know... Take the they're, not gonna, on, they're, they're not going to eat the money either. No, they're Twins, not going to. They're just smart enough. They they don't need to eat it. Right, and they're not going to take a beating and like give him up for, you know, some low A talent that's basically nothing that they're getting back. Right, and then eat some money. That's it's just it's not Terry Ryan's way. It's not how he's run a ball club, and it's not going to start now. So if Ricky doesn't like it, here here's one thing you can do, Ricky. You've got about three starts left in the, in the spring. Start pitching like you actually want to be somewhere, whether it's here. Or whether it is somewhere else. If you don't want to be here, you know what? I, I I guess I mean I'm not saying I agree with it, but I guess I get the that mindset. I'm, again, I don't agree with it because we talked about when we were with Larry about you know the major league minimum and how for five hundred thousand dollars a year what I would do with a bat, and that was you know a little fun comment there. But seriously, if if he doesn't like it here, that's fine. You know, some guys just don't like where they get. You know, I mean, I would kind of question why you signed a contract here in the first place, but that's for well, another conversation. Well, it seemed like he was upset since the start. I mean, we've yeah, had that's, this conversation before. And that's a whole other conversation we could go, you know, an hour with on a whole other episode of Talking Twins. But if he's not happy here, my mind, my my point to Ricky would be, if I was his agent, well, then pitch your you-know-what off while you're there in that uniform so at least I can try to get you out of there and get you moved somewhere else. Because if you keep having this sulking attitude and don't pitch well for his agent, that's going to make that agent's job three times harder to even get him to go anywhere. And right now he's going to have to realize the fact, here's the deal. You didn't outpitch the top three in the rotation. You didn't last year outpitch Tyler Duffy. And this spring you haven't outpitched Tommy Malone. So just the numbers right there go, you're out. That's five guys. 
you, you're, you well, don't have a spot. Even if he is in the bullpen, he's probably going to be that first guy in should someone get injured. It, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or not perform. He would So be. all he has to do is go do his job, be a professional, you know, pitch yep. that seventh inning or whatever yep. the Twins ask of him. Exactly. And and then spot start and show your stuff. Pelfrey did the same. It was the same thing last year with Pelfrey, if you remember. Yes. And yeah, but, Pelfrey was upset, but because of injury, Pelfrey got in. He was a phenomenal starter that first half of the season. Here is where I see the key difference between those two men. Pelfrey didn't – they both didn't like where their, their role was, if you will. But guess what? Pelfrey, as a professional, realized, okay, I don't like this. I really don't like where I'm at in terms of my spot. But he, as a professional – and Larry mentioned, we talked again about this with Larry, you know, just to kind of keep going back. Larry, it's amazing how much – Larry has a tie to this game. Pelfrey, between the ears, said, I've got to, if I don't want to be in Minnesota next year, which that's, you know, that's fine. I understand that everybody wants to be here. Of course, as a Twins fan, you wish everybody wanted to stay and it was utopia and, you know, but that's not reality. And okay, Pelfrey didn't really want to be here either coming into this year either based on how he saw the writing on the wall in terms of where spots would be for starters. So Pelfrey went between the ears and went, all right, if I do want to get something next year somewhere else, I've got to use what I've got this year as an audition so that I can get out of here. I can get out of where I don't feel it's going to fit me and move along to somewhere else. Ricky yeah, if he just wants ha- out, he needs audition right so then he right. can get out. And that's the difference is Ricky has the mindset where it's like, okay, well, I don't like where I'm at, so I'm going to sit here and sulk about it. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere any quicker. And again, like right. you said, the Twins are not going to eat money. They've not been a franchise that very many times have, you know, go, we're going to eat, you know, $20 million out of a contract or whatever. So Nolasco is just going to have to deal with the fact that you're probably going to be, as I call it, the Anthony Swarzak role. You're going to get that occasional start if there's an injury. You're going to pick up some, if it's a guy that gets rocked after three innings, you're going to pick up some long inning middle relief type roles. And then here and there, you might get an occasional call to the bullpen. Ricky has to do that for right now and show that at least he's willing as a major league ball player to go do that. And then if he does that and pitches halfway decently, okay, maybe towards the middle of the season when the Twins are like, we're set on our rotation, maybe then you can get some other club to go, well, man, we kind of need a fourth or fifth starter, or this guy got hurt, we need you know some extra extra starting help. Then maybe Ricky gets a shot where the Twins can sit down with the GM and at least Terry can go to that guy and go, you know, I want somebody from double A, and we'll talk about maybe eating five to seven million dollars of salary or five to ten somewhere in that range, and we'll unload Lenton Alaska to you for a, a decent prospect because we see he can fit in your rotation second half of the year. But Ricky just needs to to, to grab that mindset right now because it's the reality of the situation is we have one, two, three. Malone is pretty much showing he wants to be in this rotation. And I think that the Twins loved what they saw out of Tyler Duffy the second half of last year. They loved, you know, the starts they got from him, the innings that he pitched, the mindset from that young kid. I mean, his first start, remember, he pitched in Toronto and got rocked. I mean, he got hit hard, hard often, and was pulled out of that game pretty quickly. What did Tyler Duffy do? Went back and threw two more months of baseball where you were like, Yeah, against Man. Toronto, he got rocked, and right. then he went and did great. But he didn't stick his head. But he, as a young kid, he didn't bury his head in the sand. And you you saw August and September, and you were like, wow, this kid might be a piece for down the road. This kid really, you know, he bounced right back and show you, he showed probably was the second best guy in the rotation 
the last two months of the season. So right now I think they've kind of got their mindset of where their five guys are going to be. Nolasco has to just at least tell himself, if I want to leave, I've got to show enough to get somebody else out there to show interest in me so that the GM here can go, all right, let's sit down and maybe make some kind of a deal. And now we don't want to beat that horse any more dead than we need to. No, but, but you know, the big thing he's going to have to watch out for, and I think that we have to think of, is that um, he's going to have to, you know, you said that he could be that next guy up, and, and I said it. Trevor May's that same guy. Yeah. And Trevor May, but Trevor May's got the right attitude. And Trevor May is so also. He's gonna, so he's got to change his attitude or Trevor May is going to pass him by. And Trevor, exactly. And I was just going to say, May has also taken, you know, in the beginning of last year, he didn't take it so well. But by the end of the season, he got what Molitor was trying to, you know, instill in him that, hey, right now we need you in this role. We don't have a spot for you in a starting role, but we really need you to fill this role. We think you're talented. Right. We think you've got the skill set. But right now we need you here. And for Trevor May. It's going to start that way in 2016. Right now, we need you in that spot in the bullpen because we've got our arms that we feel are going to be our starting arms. And the difference is Trevor May, as a younger guy, is getting that. Ricky, I think, is kind of, in a sense, you know, a little bit like I've been around a while, so I should get some kind of extra consideration. Well, I've got news for you. That's that's not the way baseball works. And no GM that's worth his salt that's trying to build a ball club is going to go, I'm just going to give you a spot because you've been around for a while. That's, that's not how this game works, man. It's, it's the guys that go out and perform that that's why baseball is such a great game. Cause from year to year, you know, it, it, it changes, man, but it's, it's the guys that like Larry said too, again, the guys that go out, put their head down, focus on what they got to do and just go do it. And not worry about, well, I'm in this spot versus I'm in this spot. Don't worry about that. Just go out, do your job, Put your head down, focus on what you got to do, and, you know, bang it out. And things will happen the way they, they happen from there. If Ricky's meant to get a starting spot somewhere, whether it's here or another club in the major leagues, if he just goes out and does what the Twins are asking him to do right now, that may happen for him. But he, if he doesn't, it's not going to happen for him. That's I mean, that's as we close out that piece there, that's that's it right there. Now, let's move on. we still got some other starting pitching pieces we want to talk about. And our other guy that we wanted to mention this week is Jose Barrios. Now, Kind of a on and off week for Jose because he had a great or a good to great outing against Boston earlier in the week, and he showed a lot of that stuff that we're all like, "Yep, that's the kid, that's the guy, that's the one everybody's been talking about, that's the you know the wonderkin." But then he goes out and pitches a simulated game the following day, and the control was completely gone. Now, in from what I saw, and I will give my Mike Berdino, our great guy, the Twins insider. From the St. Paul Pioneer Press, you know, you hear Mike during the season on Talking Twins in the Twins Insider segment. Mike talked about this while he was down there covering Brios and that that simulated start. And it was a little rough. Now, part of it, Brios mentioned himself. You know, he said he felt strong and he thought that he was, you know, he thought while his pitches were good. He did say, though, that he, he was, a, he was you know, a little amped up. He said he couldn't find the release point quite all the time. You know, young guys that... That does happen a little bit more. I mean, obviously, and still, Jose is still trying to show the brass, you know, from the Twins front office that I'm the guy, you know, I, I am the guy, I am that next big thing that, you know, if you want to call him Johan Santana or maybe, you know, Francisco Liriano when he first came up, you know, that he's that next, you know, that next big thing. But, you know, obviously what you want to see Jose get better at is consistency with the control because you can't, you can't bring him up here 
if that control isn't consistent yet. And and we you know talking again you know we talked to Larry a little bit about this and Daryl and I have talked about this in weeks past that he has to, you know and for example he fell behind in eight of the fourteen hitters in, the, in that simulation game that he faced. One of the things Jose is going to have to get better at to be up here full time is you have to get strike one a lot of time at least sixty percent on these hitters in the major leagues. You put yourself behind one zero, it's real tough, and if that falls to two zero. Now you are sitting in the hitter's lap because now the yep. hitter's waiting because he knows you don't want to go to 3-0. So at some point you're getting a groove fastball. You're getting something that he wants to hit, and that's going to be in his whooping zone to put the bat on. Jose, that's the one thing that I will say for Brios that I think he's got to work on is getting the control down and especially getting strike one down. I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, like like and like we've talked about before, you can throw 100, you can throw 95, but the biggest thing is getting counts in your favor as a pitcher. When you start hitters, and, and the stats have shown this, and all baseball reference has done it, they did a great piece on this last year. When you see the percentages of when, you get a, when you're a pitcher and you get a hitter 0-1, what the percentage is that the hitter gets a hit in that at bat at all. And, it's, it, 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 and it drops. You know, It's just amazing what happens 1-0 versus 0-1. And then what happens if you slip to 2-0? It's you, you jack up the hitter's ability to get a hit just because of the fact that unless you're going to walk the guy, the guy's going to start getting pitches in that at-bat to hit. And with Jose in this league, he's going to have to learn hitters. And to me, if he's going to have to already learn hitters, that's already part of the curve. Best thing for him, and I think this is why you and I have talked about he's not going to start up here. He probably goes to Rochester for a month. I put it in the four- to six-week range. And I think the best thing he can learn in Rochester, and I'll let you jump in here, but I think the best thing he can learn in Rochester is strike one, is make sure that the majority of the time with hitters, you're getting strike one. And what I would you know, jump on that as well is not just being able to get strike one with the fastball, but being able to do it with the changeup as well. Because keep those hitters off balance. Not just know that every time Jose comes up on the mound that my first pitch from him is going to be a fastball strike. Because if you do that, eventually hitters are going to pick up on that and go, fine, then I'm going to swing first pitch you know, and, and get that fastball. He's got to be able to mix it up with guys and show them that change up for that first pitch strike. And I think that's what the only thing the Twins fans might say, why is Jose not starting here day one? You know, come on, come on, this is his time. This is his time. Well, until he learns those intricate pieces, it's not going to quite be his time. That that's you know that's the piece of his game that I think he needs to really you know you know work on. He's got a great pitching coach, Neil Allen. He'll yep. have some good coaching in Rochester as well. There's you know there's a great staff down there. But I just think and, and I'll let you jump in you know in terms of what you agree or disagree on that. Well, but I think that's I, his biggest his biggest. I, I, think, I think Larry Ward said it best. When he's ready, he's not going to fail. Correct. He's going to be the best pitcher. But it's when um, he's ready. He's got, he's got the best work ethic than – I mean, this is Larry, this is Larry Ward saying guy he's got the best work ethic than, than anybody he's seen. And a, and a guy um, that, remember, um, is going into his you know 28th year of covering Southern League baseball. 29th. Or 29th, or, excuse me, yeah. 34. Uh, and he's know. a Hall of Famer. Yes, so he yes, knows yes. What he's, <laughs> And he's seen everybody. Uh, remember. The, I mean, and remember, he's, he's seen – He's seen quite a few – uh, great pitchers, uh, and 
I, I don't put much in that. I told you before in our in our in our pre-show meeting. I don't put much stock in, in, in into the simulated game. Uh, yeah, you know Santana didn't do well, Correct. and neither did Jose. And and there's something different about when you're pitching against your best friends and you're pitching against I don't want to say the enemy, but the opposing team. Well, correct, correct. Um, I I think, and I've said this from the get go, it's going to be like Chris Bryant. He's going to go down to Chattanooga, or excuse me, not Chattanooga. Just yeah, talking Rochester. about reward there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Rochester. He's going to go. He's going to go to Rochester, but only because of monetary reasons, not because he's not as good as the fifth, fourth, third, second, or even first starter. Um, I think by the end of the season, he's the best pitcher on the staff. And that's nothing against Phil Hughes. Oh, Gibby. Totally understand. Uh, Santana, who I adore and love. I think they're all great. Uh, those three pitchers are vying for who's going to be the opening day starter. And all three, you can make a case for it. Gibson, I loved him in Missouri. And he, ever since his Tommy John, he's been, he's improved each and every year. And he's the one pitcher currently on the staff that you can make a case for has the ability to be an ace, you know, I, but now you let's throw Jose in the mix. He's gone against the grain on everything. And Keith law had him at 90 some ranked (laughs) to 20 some. And now he's one of the top prospects in all of baseball. I just think that it's a matter of time when the twins think he's ready uh, and I know that Larry said when Jose thinks he's ready. Well, Jose told both you and I last year he thinks he's ready. I think the difference, you know? and I think what Larry means by that statement is when what he what he's meaning though is that Jose needs to show show, not, but he's yes. shown that, and he's shown that against the opposing. Yeah, he got a little excited that first outing where he walked three batters, but then he struck out a couple and he got out of the jam. The next outing. He was lights out. He gave up a single. Uh, he gave up a single in three. So he gave one hit, which was a single, in three inning pitched, and he struck out two. Then in a simulation game, that's where he walked a couple. He hit a couple. But again, I don't put a lot of stock in that simulation game, only because I and I've never played the game at a professional level. I never played it at a collegiate or even high school. I just played it for fun. I played the Sandlot ball, but I got to imagine at that kind of level, you know, you're playing your best friend. You just, you don't have that same mentality that one would have a po- going up against your, your opposition. Well, I, I don't think I, I mean, would he say put out a big, he put out, Jose put out a big apology because he felt bad that he hit his best friend and another guy that's newer to the team, but still a good friend, he put on an apology because he felt bad about it. And that's where, but that's where I kind of, that's where I think that he needs that little bit more learning because a, you've got to realize that when you're down in spring training, whether it's a simulated game, whether you're playing the Red Sox at, at you know JetBlue Park, every time you go out there means everything because the eyes that are on and you and I agree with you yes and, and so he has to he has to realize that he has but I to, would put him number four over the 
possible fourth or fifth guys that we have right now. Well, right now I couldn't because of the control. He has to. I mean, he. I think he's right there. But here's the thing: until he learns that that he can't, you know, that for example, first pitch strike. He's you've got to realize that you've got to get all one of these guys in this league. You have to. If you don't, the percentages show in this game you're not as successful. Number two, he has to realize that first pitch strike can't always be the fastball. It just can't. Because once that gets on video, remember, this is the major leagues. Guys that's get to the, one thing he's improved on is I, he's a, that. I understand his, his that. Off-speed stuff is there. And, no, the, and but even I'm not, Keith Law says it is there. and is but there. Here's the difference, though. I, I get that his stuff is, is there, but now it's that next fine level. It's not just that it's there. But it's that you're willing to throw, for example, first pitch changeup, not just go first pitch fastball, and then I want to set it up for my changeup. Because okay. what happens is these guys get to the park at 11:30 a.m. for a seven o'clock game. They do two hours of video study. If they see you and they always go, okay, every time he wants first pitch strike, it's a fastball. Guys start doing what what good hitters do is they start going fine. If you're going to throw me first pitch fastball every time you come up to get your strike one. I'm going to start swinging right away. I'm not going to wait for pitch two and three because I see on video that time and time and time again, your first pitch strike is a heater. He's he's Jose is just that. And it's not a I'm not like like saying it's like a huge like down on him. I'm just saying that it's that it's that small. Basically, it's that small, just little thing that you go from being a triple A demon to being up here a demon. And it's once he does that. And I, I don't think it's going to take too long. Like I said, four to six weeks. He'll start to realize, okay, that's what I saw down in spring training. I saw that I can't always just go that way. And once he – and that light bulb will click for him. Jose is a very yeah, smart Yeah, yeah, and it's just a matter of when a team needs the pitcher to come up and He's when the they first don't. Guy. I mean, because if you look at some of the other pitchers at his level – Oh, it's – do it. I mean – it's. You, I, I don't want to say he's Clayton Kershaw. I'm not I'm not comparing. But he is had, had, or, but I but know he's you're, that type of pitcher for a team. So it's I mean, Clayton didn't get just thrown right up. No, 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 no. He, he what waited I, for they, they the organization waited. And what you're saying and what you're saying and I could sum it this way, he's head and shoulders above the rest of the talent that they have exactly. at Rochester. There's yes. no one there's no one even close to his level in the organization right now as it speaks. And I'll bet twenty bucks that if he goes to AAA, the first, once they they sit down with him and tell him that as well. If I could, if we could watch a couple of the starts on MILB, I will bet you anything that he will start guys once you know he'll start. Realizing, well, he'll dominate. He'll and he will and, dominate to and, prove that he's ready to be up there right now. And he'll start realizing that okay, because that's can, his work ethic. And he'll realize that I can start guys strike one with my curveball or with my changeup. I can use something else besides. The fastball, right. you know, for first pitch, and that once he once that sinks into him, and it will real quick, then boom! Now he's hit that, you know, the ceiling, the sky's the limit, and that's when, like Larry said, when he realizes it, boom! And that's when the Twins look down there and go, "Oh, all right, okay, it's time." You know what? Uh, number and of five. Course they gotta look. The Twins are looking at. Okay, well, let's see. We have X guy pitching. They got all these guys pitching well. And you know, uh, you know, we we spoke before about you got Tommy Malone, you got Ricky Nolasco. Well, let's say Tyler Duffy. Let's say that let's say Duffy earns the fifth spot in the rotation, right? And then maybe doesn't give us quite the 2016 you saw in 2015. Well, then that's he earns gonna, it. 
That's going to be the green light then, though. But let's say Tyler gets the spot, but then has a, a well, rough then April. Ricky's going to have a big say in it. Or so if, then, what do you do? But if but if that's one, if Barrios down in Rochester, if the light bulb fully lights up down there, well, okay, if it, if he pitches like he did last year, then guess and what? Ricky, and and if Ricky Nolasco lights out in the couple innings he gets the pitch. And if it, if it was me, either suffers a unfortunate injury or is not pitching to standard. If it's my GM cap, then at that point, if Barrios has shown me down in Rochester that he's figured out both the control completely and the the how to how to start hitters out in different ways, then at that point, I, I'm going to tell Alaska, sorry, you're going to sit See, in that that's same. That's what's going to. That's what's. Yeah. Gonna, that's going to be the more. That to me is the more interesting question, Brad. Yeah, it is. Is. It's not who's going to start out in the top five. It's who ends up it's there. Who's going to get bumped if Brios is on Correct. fire? Correct. And continuing on like it has been the last two years. Like I say, it's not necessarily who starts in that in that right. in that top five. But say by May fifteenth, who's in that who's in that starting rotation at, at that after point? After two weeks, when that service time is up, yep. And the Twins own him now for another year. That'll be. Very then, interesting. And if yes. he's pitching well that first few weeks. That'll be very. And someone's not. Now what do you do? Like I say, you're by not May... going to throw him in the bullpen. You're not going to no, waste no, no, him no. in the bullpen. Nope. By May 15th. I can't, I can't imagine that at all. No, 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 no. By May 15th, it'll be very interesting to see how that how that piece plays out. And believe me, we will, on Twins Chat segment during Talking Twins. That's will, going to be huge. We will talk about that a ton, and especially. Fans, fans, fans are going to be clamoring. Yes. If, if Berrios is pitching lights out, fans are going to be clamoring for him to get up here because he be- is the best pitcher on the rotation once he gets up here. And believe us, once the season starts, we will be getting in depth in this a lot more on the Twins chat segment. Don't worry, we'll be, you know, we'll be really on that as we'll we'll talk about him and down on the farm too if he starts down there, but we'll really definitely be on that. I'm sure our 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 listeners will, you know, give us some feedback on that as well. And remember, speaking of feedback, if you want to give us feedback on your thoughts on the rotation, you can do that via Facebook. That's talkingtwins.talkingtwinsbaseball.com/facebook. You can also give us that feedback on Twitter at @talkingtwins. Or you can shoot us an email at radio at TalkingTwinsBaseball.com too with your feedback on that starting pitching um, rotation situation as well. And our final uh, topic on Twins Chat this week is is the kind of the outfield, but specifically the center field piece. Now, you know, Buxton hasn't gotten a lot of at-bats so far to, to start, you know, There's spring training. only got training. 20 at-bats so far. Correct. And also on Monday... Which another I'm going to give Mike uh, Bernardino one more quick plug here because he this is piece I took some of this from his piece on TwinCities.com. So again, you know, thanks to Mike Bernardino, our Twins insider, who you guys hear each and every week during the regular season on Talking Twins on the Twins Insider segment. But you know, Mike talked about a, a nice little piece that you know Rosario getting a chance to play center field on Monday, and the fact that Terry Ryan really would like him to get some you know play in center field. And in fact, Terry Ryan's quote was, I've stated many times, he can play center. Why would you not allow him to go out and make sure he keeps that part of his skill set? What happens if Buxton gets hurt? What happens if Buxton doesn't get it done? We've got to have versatility. And that's that's a huge statement. 
from no, a what general manager. Though, because you also have Danny Santana that can play that. I understand that. That's what I mean. That, I know. I, I know mean, that's what I mean. It opens up a lot up. of things that can be taken out of that statement. I know, and that, and that's why I wasn't I wasn't necessarily sliding it one way. That's that you you caught my point exactly. Terry Ryan's kind of like saying multiple messages in that statement. One, obviously, that they want to have you know Eddie Rosario have the versatility, so he's not right. just locked in as like you're only playing left field and that's all you'll ever play. But also, you mentioned it. There's another kind of piece to that. Are they a hundred percent comfortable? that Buxton's going to start the season as the full-time center fielder, even though they've said that they're giving him the job. And also... Well, they haven't said. They said that he's well, got the green light. They've correct, all correct. but said it. They've correct. all but said it. And this is what I'm upset. Like, tonight, he didn't. He, he wasn't in the lineup. And that's where and I kind of... You got people like Sweeney, who has more at-bats. You got Danny Santana, which I get it. You got it. I mean, he's your center fielder. You you got Quentin Tarantino or Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Quentin. Oh, he's one of my hey. He's one of my favorites. I just I just looked. I just opened it up. Yeah, Carlos Ooh, Quentin. He's but done yes, quite well uh, in in a resurrected uh, season. But what it what and it Benson? I mean, it's a nice story. Here's what it but makes these me guys are are they really going to be in there or not? Well, here's what it makes me wonder, Daryl, a little bit when I hear Tara Ryan say that. What it makes me wonder a little bit is are we getting mixed signals between what the front office is seeing and what the manager and the coaching staff are seeing? And sometimes that happens. You you have the front office yep. seeing things one way and the skipper and his on-the-field coaching staff seeing things in their light. And I kind of wonder if that's what we're seeing here. Is it, well, you know, and, with, and with Buxton, I mean, from, from what we're hearing from the coaching side of it is that he's seeing the ball better. Lately, the last couple of games. But when you hear you the know, general manager come, the full, he's getting to the full count. He's hitting balls better, uh, and he's not he's not getting uh, he's not striking out on that slider after an an O2 count or whatever. But when you hear the general manager make a statement like that, it starts to you know you can at least understand why some Twins fans at least kind of question you know what the the mindset is there because you've got the manager. And his coach is saying one thing, and then you, you hear the the GM say something like, "Well, we want to make sure other guys get their at their their feel out there, or their or their you know their their opportunity to play out in but center does, field." Does Benson need more out more games than Buxton? Oh, I would say no way, no, no, and, no. And no. right now he's got thirty seven innings, and granted, you know, okay, so Buxton, this is defensively, and that that's over ten games. Buxton's got forty one in eight games. Uh, but Benson, I mean, it's a nice story to get him up there and everything, but seriously, I mean, that that's taking up a spot when we need to see guys like Buxton, Kepler, Rosario, Sano, you know, Arcia, guys that are legitimately going to make a, make the team or have a chance because, okay, you, you got, you got Arcia, who's the only really left-handed guy that can be there. Is he going to make it over uh, Quinton? I mean, I know, I know. It, it's or Sweeney. I know. I mean, it's, he's got it's... 39 innings in the outfield, and yep, doing doing fine. But is he going to be over Arcia or Quinton or Mastrani? You know, I just I think I think our guys that 
we really need to see. We haven't seen enough of yet. And I think and that's the problem that I'm having right now is that we haven't seen enough of the guys that really need to be tested. And I think we'll, you know, as we talk about this next week on Talking Twins in our Twins Chat segment, as we kind of start to, to wind down the show here, I think we're going to get a little more clarity on that after the moves get made over the weekend when that next kind of wave of the roster trim happens. I think we'll get a little more clarity on what the mindset both from, well, they'll, they'll have to get together on this, both Paul Molitor and Terry Ryan. I think we'll get some more clarity on that come next Monday as some more trimming happens down, happens down from the roster standpoint. I think we'll get that start to, that picture is going to start to, yeah. the, the cloud up will kind of, the clouds will dissipate a little bit. And don't get me wrong, bit. I understand that, you know, they brought oh, in yeah. Brian Sweeney. I understand, yep. brought in uh, Quentin. They, they brought in those two to, you know, for a very, very low price. Correct. To see if they could, on a minor league deal, to see if they can make the team. They don't make it, they don't make it. They're not out of anything. But I think so they've got to see it. I think but what, what, when you got someone as prized as Buxton, and you I, got someone that's out of options like Arcia, you have to see what you have in them and to I know think, what to do. Do you, do you release them? Do you right. option them if right. it's Buxton? I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I think we're going to... Right now, we just don't know what's going to go on in the outfield. But I think we'll get a little more clarity there, like I said, come you know, come Saturday, Sunday, when those next wave of, of you know, do you want to call them demotions, you want to call them, you know, whatever, reassignments, well, whatever you want to call them. It could be cut, not just demote. It could be cut, too. It, people you're right. could be cut. It could be cut, too. So we'll we'll definitely, next week on, on Twins Chat, we also, next week, I'll have a very special show set up because it's going to be our Talking Twins Roundtable next week. So Mike Borodino is going to be joining us. Uh, Seth Stowes from Twins Daily is also scheduled to join us. So we're going to have a four-man show next week. And it's going to be, a uh, if you've ever watched back in the day on ESPN, the sports reporters they had, the four guys that would cover all different kinds of topics, we're going to do a sports reporters-style format next week, all obviously related to Twins Baseball. But then we'll we'll throw out a lot of different topics. We'll get Seth Stowe's feedback, Mike Berardino, who's been down there, and Seth has been down there as well. Both of their feedback from seeing it live in Fort Myers, along with Daryl and myself. So we'll have a four-man roundtable next week on Talking Twins, where we'll cover everything in depth, you know, from spring training going into the 2016 season. We'll cover it all. Have a very special, fun show next week. So definitely, you want to make sure you listen to to the episode 95 next week. When we do the Talking Twins Twins Roundtable episode, it'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of you know a lot of spirited opinions, I'm sure. A lot of you know maybe some maybe some battles during the show, but we'll have a lot of fun there. So with yeah, that, it'll be, it'll be all in good fun. All in all in good fun. Yeah, exactly. All in good all in good Twins fun. So with that, just remember though, we do have the the contest that's going to kick off later this week into the weekend. Watch on Twitter at Talking Twins. Watch on Facebook. TalkingTwinsBaseball.com slash Facebook and watch on our Instagram handle, which is Talking Twins Baseball, because we'll start giving away the Adam Brett Walker signed baseball in honor of having Larry Ward on from the Chattanooga Lookouts this week. So as we wrap up the show, just remember, Talking Twins is always part of the 4D Podcast Network, and we're always recorded at First Pitch Studios in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, as every week, it's myself, Bradley Swanson, and my co-host Daryl Yates, who you just heard. Remember, always follow us on Twitter at Talking Twins. Check out the Facebook page every day. Again, TalkingTwinsBaseball.com slash Facebook. And obviously, again, as I just mentioned, get out there and watch starting this weekend so you can get involved and try to win that Adam 
Brett Walker Signed Baseball. Um, check out Twitter and Facebook every day as we keep it up with all the Minnesota Twins info you can want and more. And links to the shows, links to the podcast, everything is all out there as well. want to thank you guys for listening to a great week of Talking Twins. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great week and watch some Twins baseball, everybody. We'll talk to you next week here on Talking Twins. Talking baseball in Minnesota. Bernie Allen and Molotov. Krellick had a no-hit game. Kirby Puckett, what a shame. Heisel, Herbie, G-Man had their day. We love